Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, January 25th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. We're going to get right to the business, and uh, there's a lot to discuss in this episode. Uh, once every week or so, we're going to have Bill Meltzer in, and we're going to do a state of the team. And we're going to look at all elements of the Flyers over the last week, a little look back and a little look ahead, state the concerns, state the good, state the bad, and kind of go through it from uh, stem to stern. And he joins us right now from NHL.com. This is an important episode. PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and HockeyBuzz.com. It's Bill Meltzer joining us right now. Billy, how you feeling? Well, uh, you know, better, better, better than I did a day ago. Um, you know, you, you start looking ahead to the games that are to come, and uh, you know, you kind of put the other ones in the rearview mirror a little bit. I mean, we have a we have a lot to get into here, so let's 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 get into it. Yeah, we really do. Um, the team now, the early part of the season, and you know, it's a shortened season. So as we've alluded to many times, games they just frankly they do they mean more. Uh, but as you sit right now, they're technically in third in the division, tied in points with the uh, the, the Boston Bruins after this first week. We can change, if you will. Uh, what's kind of the the one big positive takeaway that you've seen, and maybe one big negative takeaway that you weren't expecting? Well, uh, I mean, the big positive I would guess is that other than the really two games, other than the one game um, against Buffalo and the the most recent game, I mean, the Flyers have scored just fine. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Flyers, uh, even though you know, even though Couturier's been out and. You know, I mean, they, they've gotten it done different ways. I mean, one game was six different guys scoring other games. You know, you have the Konechny hat trick. So they've, they've found ways, uh, for the most part, to be able to score goals. Um, you know, the, the biggest negative clearly has been the defensive pile. The sheer, the sheer number of shots they're giving up. Um, some of those crooked number periods that they've allowed. Um, you know, you, you can't feel too good about taking a two-goal lead into the third period of the, the first game in Boston and coming away with only a point from that game. You know, um, I, I mean, truthfully, I don't think goaltending has been the issue. There's maybe a goal here or a goal there. I, I really think it's the play in front that's been pretty concerning. Um, you know, so, I mean, the Flyers have a lot of areas they, they need to clean up. If you look at all the different details of the game, all the areas that they improved a year ago, so far, in, in several of the areas, they've taken a step backwards. So they have, you know, there's there's not a lot of uh, forgiveness in the schedule. You have you have to get right back on the horse and, and keep going. But it's, um, you know, I I mean, just just a lot of a lot of the details of the game, right? Breakout, forecheck, all those things that they, you know, got in a really good rhythm with. They're they're not in any rhythm right now. Um, penalty kill is another area. The, the um, you know, coming off of a particularly bad game you know, on specialty teams. But, I mean, it, it, you know, they've allowed a, all but one game, at least one power play goal against. And different things have happened. Like, one game was a puck handling miscue or whatever. The, the PK looked pretty good, I thought, um, over that first homestand. But it's, uh, you know, has not looked very good the last few games. So, there again, there, there's a whole lot of areas that need they need to be fixed. Yeah, Bill, and it's kind of what I talked about in yesterday's episode was about the details and – you know, it's the, it is this game is so much about the details, and when the, you don't execute the details, it's an issue. Um, let's talk about the offensive zone time, because and I want to ask you if one problem almost cures another. But first of all, Elaine Vigneault mentioned it rather early into the season that we need to spend more time in the offensive zone. We need to generate more offense, second-chance opportunities. And despite the fact that he is even went public with, with his concern in that regard, the thing that's alarming to me is that I'm sure behind the scenes and to the team, he's obviously preaching the same thing. 
yet we haven't seen any progress in that regard, maybe even a little bit of regression since he brought it up first initially. And it really maybe came to head in that game against uh, Boston where they lost 6-1. to one. Um, When you look at that element of it um, and the lack of offensive pressure, what's kind of the root cause? Well, I think a big piece of it is they're not breaking out of their own zone very well. You know, whether it's taking two no or flow. three. Shots, yeah. <laughs> just, 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 you know, errant passes or, or turning pucks over or just, just simply just not, you know, just not being clean with the puck in general. So you're not getting the speed through the neutral zone. You're not getting pucks in to be able to forecheck with any speed. Um, and then, you know, and, and Kevin Hayes said, you know, hockey's a series of one-on-one battles. They're not winning the puck battles. 50-50 pucks, which was an area they fared for, for really well in a year ago. You know they're they're not being able to sustain pressure. They don't have a cycle game going. They don't. Um, they're not. They're not creating opposing turnovers in their in the offensive zone or in the neutral zone even. So all all these things that you know shorten the ice for you, increase the chances of getting a if not a goal, at least getting a power play out of it or getting the next line out to start the shift in the offensive zone. All those things that build momentum. You know we're not seeing with with too much consistency. I mean I, again the positive has been that. You know, overall, the Flyers have been pretty opportunistic with a lot of their chances. Um, you know, but it, it's uh, but in terms of that sustained offensive pressure, they haven't had it, and that also plays into why they're giving up so many shots too, because you know they're playing without the puck a lot more. So that you know, all all those all those things that have really come to roost over you know over this first week plus first two weeks. Um, you know, I guess I guess if there's a positive to it. They do have three wins. Nobody in the division has more than three at this point. It's been every team. If you you know, I, I've seen I've seen every team in the division play at least once of this year. Everybody's got some holes. So yeah. you know, I mean, the, a piece of it is the short camps and the the lack of you know preseason. That 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 excuse doesn't hold for very long. But everybody has things that they're they're trying to iron out. It's just that um, you know, particularly particularly over the last several games, you know, the, there have been a lot of things that have kind of come to roost. And listen, also the injuries haven't helped either. Missing Couturier, yeah. missing Couturier is a big hole, you know, missing Phil Myers as well. And, um, you know, and also of course going into the season, trying to replace Matt Niskanen. So you, you take some pretty big pieces to away from what was the, you know, a, a very successful way of going about games, you know, and, and personnel wise, you know, I, I think that the, you know, I mean, the good news is they'll get personnel back, hopefully before too much longer. But it, it, but it, there are there are a lot of things in there just, um, you know, beyond the personnel that I think that um, there are some holes that, that other teams, um, you know, can exploit on this team. But, you know, by the same token, they by the same token, I mean, you know, every, every team has some. So um, you, you attack more, you defend less and defend better when you have to defend. And I mean, it's. That's overly simplistic, I guess, but that really is what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, the points I've been trying to make to, to some people, and and look, I, I, it's not saying that there aren't elements here that are legitimate concerns, um, but the, you look around the league. I look at teams. I look at the Islanders who had a horrific loss early to the island or to the Rangers, five to nothing. I, I look at teams. You know, I looked at uh, Carolina. They lost to Detroit, <laughs> right? And, and we can't base everything on what a team was last year, but in Detroit's case, I think it's still fairly accurate that they're not a good hockey club. And you look around, and there's a lot of teams that you would consider legit. I look at a team like Vancouver, and they don't have their, their game yet. Um, and about now would be midway through training camp when you've played you know five, six, seven games, 
and cranking up for a season. The hockey hasn't been pretty. It's been pretty at times, but the process, it, the result they were getting wasn't commensurate with the process. And I, and I said this on the episode yesterday. There was a couple of years ago, the Flyers were on an eight-game losing streak. I remember Ron Hextall went into the locker room and met with the media. And he said, I like the way we're playing. And the fan base had a meltdown. They had just lost their eighth straight game. Um, but he said, I, I think we're playing good. And the process, the result didn't match the process there. They were playing well. And eventually, the process and the and the result line up because that's the way it works, right? And the process here was they were winning despite not having offensive zone time, not exiting the zone well, turnovers, not moving up the ice as a five-man unit. They, like you said, they were opportunistic with their shots, but that's not sustainable, and eventually it caught up with them. Um, but while these injuries are happening, what can they do to overcome the loss of Sean Couturier? And part of that is now loss of Morgan Frost as well, the guy they had jumping into the lineup for him, um, and also the loss of Phil Myers. Let's start with the D, because the D um, is, is a big focus. And understandably so, you lost Matt Niskanen, you're down Phil Myers. You brought in Eric Gustafson, and he's, he's had a few really rough games defensively. Yeah. But... That being said, it's also team defense. So how do they kind of fix their problems here defensively with what they got? Because I don't think there's a move coming. No, I mean, it it really goes back to doing a better job, taking away the middle of the ice. Now, that that was actually, you know, you go back to the second Boston game and and that third period kind of just, you know, everything went to hell. It unraveled, yeah. Everything, the wheels just totally fell off. For the first two periods, from a defensive standpoint, five on five. Now, you know, the special teams were a mess. But five on five, the Flyers, for two periods, actually defended better than they had most of the season. Um, you know, they, they again, they, you know, everything kind of fell apart from there. I mean, but it comes apart from take, taking away the middle of the ice. Um, you know, um, wingers wingers preventing those backdoor plays, re, you know, covering their, covering their men, not cheating out of the zone early. You know, making um, if you don't have the stretch pass, making the the ten foot pass. Now they didn't get anything going offensively, but you know they had they had a lot of things they had to fix. Um, if you there, so that I mean that that's the beginning of it though. You you know you you play in your own zone well. You reduce the number of chances you're giving up, and I mean you know, and then you then you work on getting some other things in order too. But I mean I, I mean they absolutely have to cut down the number of shots they're giving up I mean, which is you know a year ago and i know as you said not everything's based on a year ago but i mean the flyers were the stingiest team in the nhl they allowed the fewest shots on goal per game in in the nhl a year ago they cut their goals against by by about three quarters of a goal a game you know that they're still fundamentally that that team right i mean the personnel hasn't changed that much so you know they have to they have to go back to uh you know, to, to doing the things that they were doing to limit the quality of chances they were giving up. Um, sometimes, and a lot of times it's execution too, right? Um, you know, you, instead of needing three or four chances to clear the zone, when you have that first opportunity, the puck has to get out. Yeah. You know, and um, the you know so much of it comes comes down to the execution side, I and mean, they're not executed very well right now. So, you know, if if you clean up those areas, I mean, some of it is some of it is video. Um, you know, thing, there are some things in limited number of practices you can, you can work on in practice, but I mean, ultimately it comes down to, you know, you, you have to get out of it together and 
you know, I mean, the downside to a shortened season is we forget that a year ago at uh, around Thanksgiving, if you remember, Tampa Bay was hovering at 500. Yeah. You know, and then they clicked, yep. you know, and, and, and um, you know, it, uh, I mean, you don't have a lot of time where you can, you know, to, to really pull things together if you're struggling. But I mean, you know, I guess, I guess the other bright side of it too, again, is that, you know, things are kind of tightly packed in the division. So you figure things out. Um, not too many teams are going to sweep each other in the back-to-backs. There are going to be a lot of splits generally in those. So, you know, you hang around there, you get some guys back and you, you know, you get rolling from there. But I mean, I think it, I think it has to start, it has to start in, in their own zone and then, then work out up ice too. And, you know, play be a little heavier on pucks, those kind of things. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of people on the internet that are, oh well, get get Sam Moran in the lineup, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to Sam Moran playing, but it, it has to be a whole team. Yeah. You know, putting putting one guy in the lineup is not going to make that big of a difference in how you play, shipped in and shipped out. The Flyers have to be a harder team in general to play against, and right now they're not. Um, let's talk about it offensively. Um, I was talking about it on the broadcast in that second game against Boston. Uh, I talked about it on the post-game show. I talked about it on the podcast. Um, and, and I think Boston did a really good job. They struggled in their first three games to score goals. They scored a total of three goals in their first three games, none five-on-five. Five. And it seems to me against the Flyers that what they did was they really simplified things. They put a lot of bodies around the neck, net. They got pucks there. And I know it's an old, tired cliche, but when when you're trying to make the pretty play and the skills aren't dialed in yet, you got to go with the ugly play. It's, it's not a beauty pageant. It's a hockey game. And I, in that game in particular, and you, you cite so many of those goals, the Craig Smith goal, he's just in the right spot. And there's three Bruins down low around the blue paint, and the puck happens to be there, and you create those opportunities. The Patrice Bergeron goal, the Marshan goal, same thing. Guys around the blue paint. It doesn't seem like there's enough flyers down around the blue paint, and certainly not there when the puck's there. No, certainly. And, and if you look at how – you know, how has Travis Konechny scored five goals this year, right? Now, one was a pretty breakaway goal of uh, that long bank pass, and most of them have been scored right around the net. Yep. You know? uh, and, and 80% of the goals are scored within four and a half feet of the of the crease. Absolutely. The, well, the one, you know, the one that, that went in off of uh, Lindblom's helmet, you know, I mean, that that was really kind of Konechny's goal, but that was a, that was a scramble around the net. That's the whole yep. point. You, you, you know, you take the shortest route to the net, you, you funnel pucks in there, and you're, you know, you're going to bang a couple in. And when you over-rely on, on um, too many of those low-to-high plays, first of all, so many shots get blocked in the league now. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a hard way to score a lot of times. Um, and really, a lot of it is just that, you know, just those those ugly little goals. But, I mean, those those are those are what you need. And, that, you know, they, I mean, the Bruins weren't doing anything, you know, doing anything um, fancy or, or special. They were, you know, nope. they were winning battles and, and – um, you know, getting getting to pucks, and ultimately they started putting a few in. I mean, you know, they went into the third period of that first game, you know, getting shut out again. But it, uh, you know, it eventually paid off. Yeah, and you get a few like that, then everything opens up as well because you're penetrating the middle and you're collapsing them, and then you can work around the outside and get those east-west passes and do those kinds of things. They've scored on some of those east-west, you know, tic-tac-toe plays. You know, Hayes to Voracek to JVR. We, we've seen that. But when you're struggling to score, they got they need to simplify. Uh, Bill uh, Carter Hart after the game um, had a little bit of a therapy session with his uh, Bauer goalie stick on the net in Boston. Um, in his post game availability, he apologized for it. It's out of character for him, and I think that maybe alarmed some people, maybe alarmed him 
Um, we haven't seen that side of him, the angry side, and where you'll lose it a little bit. Uh, I made the case in yesterday's episode that I think it's a good thing. Number one, it for a goalie, it feels good to do it. It, it lets everything out. It's like letting the air out of the, the steam out of the uh, pressure cooker, number one. Um, but it's also a signal to the team. And when they see a guy that's so under control emotionally and, and, and mentally kind of lose it like that, I think that if they weren't embarrassed, that maybe they felt even a little bit more embarrassed about what took place in that game. And I think that can be a good thing. What were your kind of impressions of, of how that went down post game? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it loses its effect if it happens too often, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I had no problem with it at all. I mean, Me I, neither. I think that, um, you know that was that uh, was I actually think in the moment it was completely justified. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, you know, I said if you, if you go back and deconstruct the games, you know, maybe uh, you know, just take the most recent one. Maybe the second Marshawn goal at that point the game was already short side. Yeah. Anyway, you know, um, and even then, I mean, Marshawn's a hell of a shooter, and it was from the dot. He he beat him short side. Probably could have stopped that one, but it, that's the difference between five five to one and six to one at that point. It yeah. really it was really the game was decided at that point. So many of them were, were point blank kind of shots. I, I think if you, you know, the team plays better. And I, I mean, a goal, a goalie, any goalie worth the soft figures, he should have, you know, pretty much most of the shots, right? You see it, you but stop it. That's the goalie mentality. Exactly. And, and, and it's what it should be, you know, it's, um, you know, but listen, I mean, he, he's been on a run of giving up, you know, a lot of pucks have gotten past them, whether, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances have been, you know, I, I there's been a run of been a run of games. I mean, he was pulled in a start, and you know that ugly third period the other night, which again was just a team thing. So, I mean, I I think it was I I, I think it, it was more of something you just you just blow off the steam and you and you move on. I'd ra- I'd rather have that than you know than than a goalie throwing his teammates under the bus after a game. So they don't you know you you want them to go the extra mile for you in front of you. So. You just if you take it out of goalpost every now and again, that's fine. I mean, one of the things that um, you know everybody, you know, compared to like like you know Ron Hextall used to flip out at times. Thing was, after after a game, Hexy would never throw his teammates under the bus. He would always say, "Hey, you know, I, I, basically the puck has to stop with me, so blame me." And I, I think I think that's always a good mentality for a goalie. I think that it's you know uh, goalies that haven't done that historically tend not to get guys going the extra mile for them when they need that. And hard, hard as you said, is generally such a under control, mature player. So, you know, if they, if that was letting off steam and frustration and there's, and then that's fine. Um, you know, I mean, truthfully, I was a little surprised going in and I would, would have said it even if Carter, you know, won the first game or wore the second game was that usually if a goalie comes off a 40 save shutout, you know, like, like Elliot did, you go back with that guy again, pretty quickly. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure Elliot will get one of the games against Jersey. I wouldn't even be surprised if Tuesday is one of those games, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, but I, I, I think goal goaltending is way down the list of my concerns, you know, but I, I think Carter Hart will be fine. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of that second Marshan goal too is a product of what happened prior to that in the game and not not just letting goals but the way they were scored a couple of goals were scored after cross ice passes from his glove side to his blocker side so he's leaning off there a little bit anticipate it's on a power play he's anticipating that play again and that's that's the cumulative effect of poor d zone coverage on the back door and you you know 
your body says it's going to go there again because they got me twice. I'm going to cheat a little bit. When you cheat at that league, they get you. And a guy like Marshand will get you. And I think that's that's part of that too. But um, uh, Bill, you know, when you look at the situation, they are three, two, and one now. They're, uh, I guess, technically in third place in the division and moving forward. Uh, what do we know about the injuries? Um, I think we feared much worse when it came to Phil Myers. Um, and to, to find out that he's dealing with a fractured rib, which, by the way, is no fun. It's a horrifically painful injury to recover from just because you can't laugh, you can't sneeze, you can't sleep. <laughs> Everything hurts. But um, the, the prognosis we got was better than I think a lot of us thought it would be. Um, and uh, obviously, Sean Couturier is returning as well. I can't even pronounce what his injury is. Perhaps you can. But um, w- what are you hearing about the injuries and when, when we want to see these you know, troops arriving to, to try and rescue the day? Yeah, unfortunately, those are all nebulous injuries in terms of putting a timetable on it. It's all on how the player is feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully, uh, Couturier is close to about that, uh, you know, couple of week mark. Um, you know, it's, uh, but you, you can't really skate. You can't do much of anything until he, till he's feeling better. Um, you know, I mean, week to week, that, that that's even that's kind of a, you know, nebulous description. Well, how many weeks is weeks, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if, if either of the two guys are imminently back at or Myers, I think that's going to be a little bit of time. Um, you know, not, uh, not certainly not these two games in Jersey, hopefully Couturier get a little clarity, at least with Couturier get a little more clarity over the next week or so. And it's also, you know, not to forget Morgan Frost because it's a shame because I thought Morgan played really well in those mm-hmm. two games before he got hurt. And, you know, it was a clean hit. He was just a little off balance, at, yeah. you know, when he got hit behind the net. And, you know, he had such a good camp, was creating some chances. Would have, you know, he really could have even a, a couple of assists in those couple of games. I mean, he did everything that was being asked of him. And that would have been, you know, like a, a way to get over the hump before Couturier was available again. And now they're now they're juggling line combinations. Um, uh, Scott Lawton did not have his best of, best of games, particularly the first game against against Boston. Uh, they'd like to get, you know, Claude Giroux going um, a little bit more. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of really good games and some games where he hasn't had the impact that you, you need him to have. So, you know, but I mean, in terms in terms of those players, I mean, uh, I, I don't think that uh, either guy is going to be back in the next couple of days. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Shane Gossis Bear is available pretty soon and they can have some more options to them on the blue line. But it's, All right, let's uh, talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the spot to pause um, because a lot of people over the last couple of games said Eric Gustafson needs to be scratched um, and you're down a D-man. Mark Freeman came in and he had a couple of ill-advised penalties and you know, it kind of hurt him in that game. Um, I like Mark Freeman a lot, though. I think he's a calm player, a good skater. Um, if Ghost is available, how do you do – you, do you insert Ghost into the lineup? Uh, who comes out? How do you handle this situation? What do your pairings look like? Well, um, you know, this is a tough I, one. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, I think Ghost deserves to come in. You know, as soon as he's uh, gets through, you know, a practice or two, if not for Tuesday's game, for Thursday's game. You know, um, I, I have concerns about Gossip Bear and Gustafson in the same starting six. Um, as do I. You know, they don't play exactly the same style, but they have the same basic strengths and weaknesses. They're both offensive-minded defensemen. You really can't pair the two of them together. And they both need a lot of offensive zone starts. 
you know, in their own end of the ice is, is really where they run into some issues for different sets of reasons sometimes. But so I would not mind if Gustafson sat a game and then you, you figure out and you go, you go from there. Um, you know, if, uh, if you sit Robert Haig, which I'm sure would be a, you know, some people would say, well, just sit Haig, you know, well, you, you want to have, you want to have uh, some size and physicality and shot blocking, whatever. He, he brings you that. Um, so they, I mean, it seemed like before the season started, it almost seemed like they were heading towards Braun being the, the seventh guy. But, you know, I, and there might be a, there might be a game or two where, where Braun sits. But I think, I think your first move is uh, Ghost goes in and, and Gustafson sits for a game or two, and then you evaluate from there as to, you know, what your pairings will be going ahead till Meyer. you put Ghost on that top pair with Provorov, though? Or do you keep Sanheim there in two left shots? Uh, I, well, uh, I, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. They were, they were putting ghosts with Provorov in, in camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I like having, I like having a second pairing as well. I, I, I might put, I might put ghost up there and just see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Get Sanheim back with, uh, well, Myers isn't going to be available right off, right off the bat, but you know, but it's, uh, I mean, Myers' inavailability really kind of throws another wrench in the works. But I'm big time. You know, I, I, I at this point, at this point, I don't think he should be wedded to any particular combination. So I, I you know, if they put Gossip Bear up there, at least to, to start, I'm fine with it. If they, uh, if they keep Sandheim up there and keep him on the right side, that's then that's okay too. It's, uh, you know, they're they're looking for something that works at this point. So why not try some different things? Um, let's talk about a couple of players in particular. Um, Joel Farabee had that four point night to open the season. He hasn't uh, notched a point since. W- where do you see his game right now? He had a couple of a couple of pretty quiet games in there. Where yeah. where Joel was not making you know much impact. Um, you know, I, I thought that it, I thought that in uh, the second game against Buffalo, it looked like he had a pretty good game, and then he didn't. You know that. I mean, I know that part of moving uh, Raffle up at the start of uh, the second game with the Bruins was matchup base, but also it was also because Farabee hadn't done very much. Yeah. You know, they moved they moved Farabee down to the fourth line. He's not an ideal fourth line guy. So, um, so I mean, Farabee had had that tremendous start, but he's he's been quiet. They need more from him. You know, as a second year player, you expect a little bit more than you did in year one, and. Uh, you know, they, he's he's one of the guys they need they needs you know a little bit more from. Um, Nicholas Albe Kubel, I think that watching him, he's a straight line player, good, yeah. f- really good four checker, guy that's always got his legs moving. It, to me, it just doesn't look like he's found his game yet. Yeah, no, he he is not. You know, and he's taken some bad penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a few times where by he's not moving his feet, <laughs> by not moving his feet, yeah, yeah, and a few a few times where he's lost coverages in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, you know, that was an area where really uh, he made big strides a year ago. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, he that's another guy. They need to get him moving. One of those guys is a you know is a candidate to sit if they if they um, change some forward combination. So um, you know they're playing for their spot in the lineup right now. Uh, if if we want to get a positive though. Um, JVR's had a pretty good start. Very strong. Um, I think that Jake Voracek has as well. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, even, you know, even the defensive side of the puck, he made a couple of, he made a couple of pretty good plays without the puck, um, you know, last couple games. And certainly he's creating offense. Um, 
you know, so after maybe uh maybe after the first game or two, he's been he's been really solid. So he's been uh, great at back checking and providing back pressure. He, he absolutely has, and yep. you know, and you know, Kevin Hayes is leading the team in points. Um, you know what what I like is that uh, Av always challenges him though, and yep. he was challenging him to pick up the two way game a little bit too, particularly in lieu of Couturier. Uh, you know, they need they need those two way games out of both Hayes and and Nolan Patrick. Um, yeah. You know, Patrick, um, I think, was going on adrenaline or whatever early on. Patrick has had a little bit of a drop-off um, yeah. the last few games, so that's another guy who has to pick his game back up again. Yeah, he, he's a guy that we often forget. I, I was talking with a guy on Twitter, uh, Boston Gary, the other day, and he said I, he wanted to call him a bust, and I said, you got to remember, this is a guy that has not played hockey games in a year and 10 months prior to this season. And and you're, I think that's exactly – I think you make a great point, Bill – that in your first couple of games, you are you're riding on adrenaline, but then that wears out, and the tank is is not fully primed just yet, and it's going to take a little time to get all those things together. The thing we know is we we see his skills, and and he's taking contact, and 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 he's you know still in the lineup night in and night out. That's a great thing. Um, combinations up front, obviously with all these injuries, it, it throws everything out the window. Um, do you keep Drew in the middle at this point with when you're without Couturier and without Morgan Frost? Is that the way to go? Uh, I, I would say so. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, because the other option is you have Bonham in the fourth line and you, and you move Lawton up. Um, I, I didn't love how that looked. Um, yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Drew short-term moving back to center, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's, uh, again, it's not a, not a long-term you know, not a long-term thing. It's so you, so you get a relatively full lineup. So I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, and he's certainly capable of making the adjustment. Um, Bill, anything in the division? Um, you know, they're going to face the Devils uh, for two coming up. Um, the Devils have looked pretty good. Jack Hughes looks like a way different player than he did a year ago. Um, they're dealing with some without Heischer, but still, uh, that's a team. And Mackenzie Blackwood's been good. Uh, you know, we talked about don't go on what a team was last year. I caution the same thing. Uh, on Twitter to people regarding Buffalo. I mean, they have Eric Stahls or 2C. They have Taylor Hall. It's a far different team. Rasmus Dahlin's in another year into his career. Um, so they're a team that's can, can you can't really equate them to what they were last year until they prove it. Uh, but the Devils, who they'll face for the next two, what, what do you see out of the Devils? Well, uh, I, for one thing, you know, one of Lindy Ruff's biggest strengths as a head coach is that he can, he can tailor the way his team plays to what his – to what his roster is yeah you know he, he whether you know I, I remember when he back when he was in buffalo I and mean, one year back when they were a cup contender they were really high scoring so they they played a very fast game and then later on you know they didn't have quite the firepower so they played a very more you know they played a much more defensive style system uh, i think that um they have some speed uh in jersey and they they, they play pretty quick but uh you know they they've shored up a lot of areas now whether that'll continue we'll see I, I don't think they have the best the best team depth wise. They're no easy out. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much. And going going into jerseys, you know, especially for the Flyers over the years, mm-hmm. it's always been a hard proposition. Even when the Devils were struggling against the rest of the league, um, the Flyers seem to have trouble going into their building and winning. So, you know, that's not a cure all. I mean, they're going to have to go in and they're going to have to play the right way. They're going to have to. Um, hopefully get in, create some turnovers. You know, the Devils still have some guys that will will turn some pucks over. Um, so far, the Devils have taken pretty good care of the puck. So, you know, they 
you know, the Flyers are going to have to force the issue a little bit there too. And just, um, you know, as and you said, Blackwood's a really good young goalie too. So that's, yeah. uh, you know, that's, um, you know, so that, the, you know, those are all things that are going to have to be contended. No pushover. With. Yeah. But, you know, but uh, you, you could say that, uh, you could say about pretty much anybody, there's no easy out. So you have to play the right way. And uh, you know, the devils aren't going to just hand you anything. Flyers are going to have to, you know, have to earn it. Yep, and and that that's the NHL in a nutshell. It really is um, the disparity between the top teams and and the middle of the pack and the and the bottom of the pack is not ver- all that great. Um, Bill, uh, they'll see the Islanders after the Devils. What have you seen out of the Islanders so far? Because that's the team that ended their season a year ago in that game seven four nothing win. Yeah, I mean the Islanders have been a little all over the map so far. They have, yeah, yeah. The Islanders, the Islanders will be fine ultimately. Because yeah, the structure will take over. Exactly. Any Barry Trotz team, they're, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to snap in place. And missing Barzell for most of camp too. That that yep. was a distraction, and you know, uh, they'll be fine. You know, the, uh, I mean, the Islanders can beat you different ways. The thing too is that they they can beat you with speed and, and finesse and skill. One of the biggest areas is the the, the Flyers struggled with though, was the it was the Anders bigger forwards, you know, it was Anders Lee. They could not handle him yeah. down low at all at all. Monster. And, yeah. uh, and Brock Nelson is strong, a big, strong forward too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how well, the, you know, I don't know how good of a matchup they saw with the flyers just for those reasons. Um, you know, they have, you know, they had the speed guys. They don't have, you know, they don't have the same blue line in terms of name recognition that other teams have, but they, you know, but they, they know everybody knows their role and they executed pretty well for the most part too. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I mean, the Islanders, the Islanders give the Flyers problems. So that's, uh, you know, that's a, a tough matchup. Even though that series went seven last year, I mean, the Islanders were the better team in most, most of the games in that series. And yeah, most of the periods. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, even if the Flyers were off to a better start this year, record wise, that'd be a challenge, but it's, um, you know, but it's something where, you know, they, I mean, they, they come home for those couple of games. Um, we'll see. You know, and it's it's uh, if the Flyers can get three out of four points from those two, that'd be that'd be fine. You know, that'd be great. But you, you're gonna have to you have to get a little better every game too. That was one of the things also that a year ago, that uh, when the Flyers are really rolling, um, you know, in the second half of the season, Matt Niskanen named that play. Well, what are you doing well? We're getting a little better every game. Yep. And. Uh, that's what the Flyers are going to have to do. I mean, they're you know they have a they have a long way to go here, and unfortunately, right now the bar is a little bit low compared to, you know, where they've been the last few games. But they have to start getting more things in order, right? Maybe uh, maybe the starting point last game was they were a little better on faceoffs. They weren't winning those second and third puck battles, but they they that was an area they improved in. They said mm-hmm. like for two periods, they, at five on five they defended better. So take those positives and, and continue to build on them. And that's how you put together a winning streak in this league. So, um, anyway, let, let, let me ask you about because you know how fans are they they want to make trades when when you lose a game, <laughs> and they and, and when you lose Matt Niskanen, it's a big loss. Top pairing, you know, right side defenseman, right shot is a bit of a unicorn, hard thing to find. Um, and then you have the injuries to boot on top of it, and you know a lot of people look at this team and say you know they get pushed around. They're, they're not that big. They're not that gritty. They're you know their their most tenacious player is is their leading scorer, Travis Konechny, who's got to stir the pot in that regard. Uh, so they don't have a lot of size. And 
for an organization that's steeped in size and, and toughness, um, it doesn't fit the DNA per se uh, from the history of the franchise. Uh, but what's the point here where Chuck Fletcher starts to look around and say, okay, I know what I have now and I know what I need. Is it about 12 games, 15 games in? I would say that that's about right in, in a shortened season. I mean, and, and I mean that was a that was a need even a year ago. Yeah, you know, I, I they needed. You know, I know, but a lot of people in the offseason were talking about getting a getting a goal scorer, but uh, I I thought that one thing they need is, and obviously the guy has to be able to play too, not not just big and physical, but I think they need, you know, they need they need a little bit of that element to them as well. Um, you know, I they also have guys who have size who you know have to use it better too. You know, it's, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and JVR is never going to be a, a crash and bang guy, but one thing he actually has been, is he's, you know, he's been a little bit more physical this year so yeah. far. You need, you need other guys to within, you know, within the realm of what feels, you know, is part of their game. They need to be able to be able to use that. Listen, Nolan Patrick's not a little guy, you know, and I know he's just coming back and whatever, but he, you know, they have, they have some guys with size and strength and yeah, Raffle. Yeah. I'm a Roth and you know, Raffle does that pretty consistently i mean yep. you know lawton is a physical player most of the time too mm-hmm. so you know so it's it's not that they don't have the element at all but really you know really it has to be it really has to be a team thing everybody has to it's mindset playing a certain way and uh you know if you, if you can uh, if you can bring in a player that uh that contributes to that element as well great but but it has you know it has to fit in with with how you're you know with, with what you need to do to succeed in terms of the overall game you know um and to me, also the number one thing everybody has to buy into playing two hundred feet. Yep. And if everybody's doing that, then other things start to fall in place. Too. So that's that's a bigger need. Uh, we saw a trade with a team that would normally be in the Flyers division. Columbus uh, consummates the deal uh, along with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the Jets send uh, both Pierre, uh, Patrick Line and Roslovich to the Columbus Blue Jackets. They send Pierre Luc Dubois the other way. Uh, first of all, when you when you saw the deal, it wasn't surprising because both players were begging out of their <laughs> individual locations, and actually two players were begging out of Winnipeg and Rosovich and Line A for the most part. And then we saw what happened with uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, where John Tortorella sat him after he played about three minutes and fifteen seconds of a game with his now an infamous shift of uh, of futility uh, that Pierre Luc Dubois went out there and skated for about fifty seconds, did nothing. Uh, when you look at the deal, who uh, at first glance got the better of the deal first glance short term probably columbus mm-hmm. long term short long, long term pierre luc dubois is one hell of a talent and he's I'll, a center <laughs> and I, I was just gonna, just gonna say that ultimately i'll take the center over the winger if, oh, the, yeah the, the goal scoring you know pure yeah. sniper winger too yeah it's yeah. not Panarin, who is a game-in, game-out guy. When Line A goes cold, it's far different. Um, how's Line A going to work with John Tortorella? I do not know. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I never – I never Dubois, you know, uh, he wasn't a guy whose character I questioned in the past. But I do know. But did he mail it in? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's never acceptable. That's he quit never... on his teammates, and that's the worst. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. I don't know if I want that guy in the room because it's, you know, because you don't mail it in like that. He was clearly putting in zero. I mean, zero effort. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Lyon's the guy who's been known to sulk too. And, you know, although he improved defensively, he's never going to contend for any Selkie trophies, you know? Um, 
So I'm not going to block shots. I'll tell you that. Nope. Nope. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, long-term we'll see, Um, you know, is he going to want to be in Columbus long-term? That's another part of it too. You know, Um, we'll, we'll see. And of course players, you know, players never seem to say in Winnipeg. So, you know, it's uh, it was really more of a, more of a deal where both teams were able to get a, a skilled player in exchange for a guy who was kind of creating headaches there. Um, but if, you know, but, but short, short term, at least just because, um, you know, just because Dubois just didn't, uh, didn't seem to want to be there, I guess. Yeah. He said he's excited yeah. about being in Winnipeg. I, I file that under the things you never hear, yeah. <laughs> you know, and also, also, you know, they have Shifley there too. So there's a one, two yeah. punch. I can see it from Winnipeg. So. Yeah. You're big up the middle. And if he, if he is the player that we've seen him be, I mean, what a home run it would be for them if, if he goes there and wants to stay there and, and, and play the right way. But yeah, the red flag went way up when he quit on his teammates in that game. And that I, I can, I can understand. I don't fault a player for saying, Hey, I want out. But when you quit in the game, in a game, you quit like that. Dude, that's, that's a hard one to swallow. And there's no way he could put that Jersey on ever again after that shift. And after that game, when John Tortorella sat him down. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, it, it, your overall last thing, Bill. Your overall level of concern six games in, on a scale of one to ten, ten being panic mode, crazy. You're ready to, you know, pluck out your nose hairs. Uh, to everything will be totally fine. Where where are you at on a on a kind of concern level scale? Uh, I would say about a six and a half to a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I want to see. You know, the team can can hang in until they start getting some key personnel back and then see where they go from there. Now, you don't have that much time, again, in a shortened season. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the concern level will be elevated in another week or two if they continue along these lines. But it's a, it's a, it's a short sample. You do have to remember that, too, that it's, you know, it, it's I, – I think that uh, – you know, I, I think it would be foolish to have no concern at all for all the reasons that, that we talked about here. Mm-hmm. But it, you, I don't think it's panic mode yet either. I, I think that you, you know, give them a, a little bit more time to try to straighten things out and then you go from there. But I mean, just just by the sheer number of things that need to be fixed, whether you know from special special teams to defensive zone coverages to, you know, more more offensive zone time, all the things we all the things we discussed. So I, I, I do have some concern right now too. Also, because there's not a ton of practice time. Now, this week there's a little bit more than usual because there's two games this week and then in the weekend. But, you know, but if we're still talking about these same things a week from now, I, it would be a higher level of concern. Yeah. I said anywhere around 10 to 12 games is when we'll start to know what not only the Flyers are, but any team is because that's, you know, then you're kind of turning into what would normally be a regular season after a full preseason uh, for a lot of these teams. We'll see where it goes. Um, it's a big week coming up for the Flyers. And like you said, they will have a little bit of practice time to work on some of the details and they got to dial in the details. Uh, That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. I hope everybody enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, leave us a rating and review. That'll help other Flyer fans find this podcast. Uh, In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow on another game day episode as the Flyers will take on the Devils tomorrow right here on Flyers Daily.